0: Miracy.
1: Hi, I'm Cynthia Lamb, producer of Course Lab. As you know, in each episode of Course Lab, we do a deep dive into the inner workings of an online course business to help you take away the most relevant insights that you can apply yourself. Some of our explorations are about the educational architecture of the courses, and others are about the business model that makes the course successful. That's why I'm eager to share a brand new show that just joined the Miracy FM Podcast Network. It's called For Better or For Work, and it's co-hosted by our very own Danny Eney and Bumi Patak. To give you a taste of the show, we're running an episode right here in the Course Lab feed. We chose this particular episode because the guest hosts, Michael and Amy Port, provide an interesting case study that explores how they divide their roles in the business they run as a married couple. It's a lively, engaging, and often humorous discussion. If you like what you hear, make sure to find For Better or For Work in your favorite podcast player and subscribe.
2: Hi, and welcome to For Better or For Work.
3: This is the show that explores what it's like to run a business together as a couple. My name is Amy Port.
2: And I'm Michael Port. Together, Amy and I run a business called Heroic Public Speaking, where we help speakers change the way people think, feel, and act. Not just from the stage, but in all aspects of their life.
3: Today, we're here to listen to and react to Danny Eney and Bumi Patak's conversation about how do we decide who does what?
2: Decisions, decisions.
0: Are we ready? Sweetie, are you ready? Are you doing good? Is your day doing good? Do you have your tea? I have my tea. So the topic of conversation today is, so you're working with your significant other, how do you decide who does what? I certainly have thoughts, (laughs) Um, but do you want to go first?
4: Yeah, sounds good. Having clarity on who does what and having the roles be aligned with people's strength is going to help make the partnership successful. And this is true, not just if you're working with significant other, it's also true when you bring on a new employee in a senior position or you're working with a business partner. So, you know, having clarity on sort of like, you know, what, uh, what each person's strength is and what they, you know, what they naturally gravitate towards uh, would be really helpful. So I remember Danny, when we first started dating, um, you know, we did some assessments as if you were going to hire me and, or I was going to hire you, like, Um, I think these were actually the same assessments that you used to hire your first employee.
0: Well, that was the context. I was using these assessments to hire my employees and you were like, oh, that's interesting. Let's do them. That'll be interesting. That'll be fun.
4: Yeah. So we did those assessments. I think we're We're
0: that kind of couple. Yeah,
4: we're that kind of couple. (laughs) So we did strengths finders and we did another one, which was a conflict uh, resolution assessment. And then we compared notes, right? We kind of looked it over each other's results and we shared what resonated with us and what that might mean in terms of, pitfalls for our relationship. So this was really like at the beginning when we had just first started dating. So, but that said, you know, there are actual good assessments that you can do in a professional context as well. So, um, you know, strengths finders is a, is one that we recommend, um, to kind of get a sense of like, you know, what needs to be done and who's the best person to do these responsibilities. And so, and that's important too. Like you don't want to structure tasks. You want to have people owning responsibilities. So You know, you can make a list of all the areas that need to be managed within a business. And then you can have, based on interest, based on experience, based on strengths, you know, you want to figure out who would be the best person to lead each area.
0: I mean, in a lot of ways, it's funny because, you know, you're describing essentially what one should always do when hiring someone, Yeah. right? And I think part of the challenge is that it feels like a different beast when you're bringing on and working with your spouse or with your significant other. And so we forget all the best practices that we already know. So I I think that's the first piece of advice. Just, you know, pretend they're not your spouse and think about how you would approach it then and your instincts are probably going to guide you in the right direction.
4: Yeah, that's such a great point because, you know, there's a way in which you're used to interacting with that person outside of work. And so when you start talking about work conversations, you need to be mindful of like, you know, shifting into sort of like a professional or a, I guess a professional dynamic, because otherwise it's not going to serve, it's not going to serve you. And one of the ways in which you can do that, it you know, really applicable to roles is uh, using sort of the best practices that we already know when it comes to, you know, hiring people and managing them and all that stuff. Did you find it hard to shift into a professional dynamic when we started working together?
0: Oh, so long ago. Um,
4: <laughs>
0: so... It wasn't just hard then, it's still hard now sometimes, right? Not that I don't know how to do it, but we are, we are partners in life. We're, you know, you're my spouse, you're my wife, we're, you know, we're co-parents, we're co-leaders of a household, et cetera. We're two adults who make decisions together. And that's a partnership. And in a marriage, at least the way we have a marriage, there isn't a senior partner. There isn't a, a person who's ultimately in charge. And that's not how it is with work. Right, where we were very clear about this when we started working together. This is my company. I'm the CEO. It's ultimately my decision, and I think that's an important dynamic. I don't think companies can be led by committee, and that's something we should probably come back to because you know there's a distinction between like the small stuff and the big stuff. Right, the really big stuff is business strategy, direction, decisions. They kind of border on life decisions. They have those implications, and so even if it's my decision, you know, you have to be on board, like we have to be on the same page. And I think anyway it's just it's good leadership. Like yes, the CEO can always say, "Look, ultimately it's my decision. I'm putting my foot down," but you only get to do that so many times before people are like, "Well, okay, fine, but I think I'm going to work somewhere else." So, you can't really abuse that that card. But the, so all that being said, kind of to loop back to the question, you know, at the end of the day, push comes to shove, you know, I can make a decision on my own and in the context of work. I can overrule you. I don't do it often, but I can. Whereas in our personal lives, I don't have veto power of, you know, are we going out for dinner? Are we staying in? Or where are we going? Or I mean, a lot of our disagreements are about, you know, dinner. So <laughs> but it's just different, right? And it's recognizing there's a different power dynamic and one isn't better or worse than the other. They're just appropriate for different contexts.
4: Yeah. And again, it comes back to sort of like, there's a personal dynamic that you already have probably established before you start working with your spouse. And then it's about adding a new dynamic that is appropriate in work contexts. And so again, things like having one person who is ultimately sort of the CEO, very important, even if you have different areas of responsibility. And when you have different areas of responsibility, you also want to respect those areas of responsibility, right? And if there are issues or things are coming up, you want to address them in a work appropriate framework. So one-on-ones and stuff like that. Um, but it's when you start applying the spousal dynamic to business relationship that's when things start to feel a little weird and unproductive. And this just gets magnified once you have more people working with you, but even if it's just the two of you, uh, you want to be mindful of that as well. So, but the original question or topic of this conversation was around who does what. So and
0: I think it's, it's a direct tie in. It's really important because determining who does what in a way that makes sense. And and yes, we should actually talk about that because we're dancing around the issue a little bit. But it's really important because it creates clarity around why someone is in charge of something, right? Whether it's just you and your spouse working together or especially as a team gets larger, right? It creates a lot of squishiness and ambiguity if people feel like you know, I have to listen to Bumi, but you know, why not because she's in charge of this thing or she is in charge of that division or whatever, but because she's the boss's wife. Yeah. Well, well, that's the point, right? Like it's yeah. really weird if it's because you're the boss's wife or the boss's husband, because then it's like, you know, they have the authority because they have the boss's ear, but you know, what if the boss disagrees and do they really know what they're talking about? It creates a lot of politics in larger organizations. It also just creates a lot of weirdness within a couple that are working together because it's like, You know, if you're, uh, you know, just as a, for example, if you're in charge of the finances and operations, then it is reasonable for you to make decisions about things that are related to finance and operations, right? That's just makes sense. When you make an operational decision, there's no wondering in the back of my mind of, is that legit or is she overreaching, (laughs) right? It's like, no, of course she should be making these decisions.
4: And this is something that we kind of struggled as maybe not the right word, but we dealt with for sure when we started working together. You know, I think from my perspective, it was like, oh, I'm coming in as a business partner. And so I want to, at least initially, like I wanted to be, not actually make decisions, but be brought into all the things or decisions we we're making in terms of marketing or sales or.
0: Well, I think this was not just a challenge initially. This was a challenge for a long time.
4: Yeah, fair enough. And I think from your perspective, because you've been used to doing things a certain way and you were kind of taking stuff away that you were used to doing. And I was taking over, I think there was a little bit of like, adaptation there as well in terms of like you not needing to micromanage or, you know, have too much oversight, which would not have been healthy. How do you mean? Well, in terms of, you know, different projects that I had taken on and stuff, like it was, there was a little bit of letting go that you had to do as well, because I was. Yeah.
0: In in the very early days. Yes. Yeah.
4: In the very early days. So anyway, this is like, if you've never worked together, like this is definitely something that you're going to have to uh, be mindful of in the first few weeks as you settle into this dynamic. And a lot of it comes down to expectations. And I think once we made sort of the expectation clear in terms of the responsibilities, as well as, you know, there being one CEO in the company, then I think, at least for me, things started to feel less sort of ambiguous and just, you know, oh, okay, I get it now. That makes sense. And then moving ahead with like what was or can be a more productive dynamic.
0: Yeah. So looping back to where this conversation started, which is how do you decide who does what? I think when... I mean anybody, but especially a significant other comes into a business. It's usually for one of two reasons: either you know there's too much to do, and you know we need the extra you know arms and hands and eyes and brain to do stuff, or there's a new thing that we want to take on—a project, an initiative that requires labor and leadership. And either of those can be good. I mean, you know, the nature of being a startup founder or early employee is—you know—you're the chief executive officer and the chief garbage taker outer. Right? You do everything. And that's totally fine. It's appropriate for someone else coming in at that senior level to do that as well. Um, but I do think it's important that a job description not just be miscellaneous forever, because there is the risk of you know someone essentially becoming the garbage disposal of all the crappy tasks that nobody else wants to do, and that's not meaningful. That's not fulfilling. That's often frustrating and thankless to some degree. That's just not a recipe for long term success.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. Like something that's coming up for me is that when I came on board, you know, there were a couple of projects that I took on initially, the financial management, which I did, but that wasn't 40 hours a week. So, sweetie, you had like a couple of projects that had been kind of sitting on the shelf that you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could get to this? And so I ended up taking them on. And on the surface, like, yeah, I guess that probably makes sense because I had a certain skill set in terms of project management and, you know, figuring things out and stuff. But these projects had like mixed results. Like, I'm thinking Google Analytics and Productive inbox and stuff, but like I don't. And productive I
0: would... inbox was later. We can we can talk about that if we want. I mean, the analytics project I think is it showcases a lot of things, right? You know, there was the fact that it was a very big ambiguous project. There was that. There was a huge learning curve of how our industry works that took you a lot longer to climb than you were expecting, or than I was expecting, probably. Um, I mean, that project was a total shit show.
4: So. Again, it's important to have sort of like a good, you know, job description, as Danny said, and there's going to be some sort of trial and error in terms of like, you know, what's a good fit, what's not. So sometimes it may be super obvious. So, you know, if Danny and I were to start a new company (laughs) at this point, we would know exactly who would do what. Danny would be responsible for marketing. I'd probably be responsible for operations, fulfillment, and, you know, maybe sales. So, but we know that now because we've been working together for nine-ish years. But at the time when we started working together, we didn't have all that history, so we started off with meeting over financial management because that was, you know, clearly my background. That was easy, and then we're like, okay, well, what else can I take on? Because that's not forty hours a week, and I want to be able to add value and get to know the industry. And we knew that there'd be a learning curve, you know, coming from uh, big corporate to online marketing. And so, to the- be
0: fair, I, I think. That was part of the problem. You, you didn't expect there to be as much of a learning curve as there was.
4: Yes. You know, you
0: were like, I, I know about business. I totally, other, I know how businesses yeah. work. I have an MBA. And I was like, oh, this is, you know.
4: This is something I've heard from people in corporate often, which is like they, if they are used to working in big companies, they expect it's going to be the same thing or easier to work in a smaller company because, you know, they work with a big company. So they've seen a lot and they know a lot. But anyway, so Yes. I definitely had this idea that like, oh, I can, you know, I understand business. I understand how, you know, teams work and how marketing works and all that stuff. So, (laughs) so yes, it was definitely, uh, it took longer, but it was, it was not a bad thing. I think it was fun. I was really excited about like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. This is how it's done. And like, this is a whole new world. And then, I don't know, it was really interesting to like reflect back to the corporate experience and what the challenges were in the corporate environment. Be like, oh, interesting solutions. In terms of how we're doing things here. But also, like working with Hugh was really tricky because, yeah, the project wasn't super clear. And
0: uh, anyway. Well, which is, by the way, which is not uncommon when you start a new project in an entrepreneurial context. Entrepreneurs are generally people who are comfortable with ambiguity. They're like, there's a lot here that's uncertain. I don't know how this is going to be. Let's feel it out. But, you know, that can also be a challenge when you're working with someone who that is not their context.
4: Yeah, that's a really great point. So if your significant other is not used to entrepreneurial context, then, you know, they might have trouble shaping a project or shaping a product or service or what have you from, from scratch. So you'd need to provide support there for sure. Um, and also, you know, just recognize that some people are better at starting and creating something from nothing. And some people are better at taking that and optimizing and scaling. I'm definitely much better at optimizing and scaling Uh, Things that are already somewhat working, than, you know figuring out from scratch how to make it work. So there are just some differences you want to be aware of and play to your strengths. So
0: this brings up something important, which is that whatever you decide as the division of labor, who does what, you're not going to get completely right with that initial decision, and it will become more wrong over time because things change, right? And things need to be updated, and so you need some regular mechanism, just like you would with an employee, a team member. For how do you check in? How do you see what's working? And so, something that Boomi and I have been doing for years and years is um, once a week, moved around days of the week, but it's uh, been on Friday for quite a long time. We have a breakfast meeting. And this is like a work breakfast meeting. So, not to say that we never ever talk about anything outside of work, but like this is not a date night. We have our date night, which we're a little less consistent about sometimes as the weekends get busy. But that's it. Like we're we're actually more consistent about the work meetings. And it's valuable to have that alone connection time, but it's it's a work context. We're talking about work stuff, but having some regular touch point where just like you would with anyone else if you were managing them well or collaborating well with them, having some kind of a regular rhythm of touch points to check in, and see what's working is really important.
4: Uh yeah, absolutely. Like it just um the regularity is important because then you know that if something comes up during the week. You can make space. You have space and you have time to talk about it on a meeting or on a regular meeting.
0: I don't have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I'm good. I think uh, I think we're good. Looking forward to the next one. The next one's going to be juicy, I think.
2: That was so Danny, the way he ended it. He's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and that was it. You're like, Okay, it's over. That was fun. I liked listening to them. And of course, Amy, you'll agree with me. They've got it all backwards. They're doing it wrong. And now we're going to explain how they should do it.
3: Well, of course, we came into business partnership from a different direction than they did. They were already a married couple when they moved into business together. And you and I had been working together for years before we became a couple. So we already had some of those work roles, responsibilities, even rhythms and routines In place and well-established. Now, certainly when you then bring a relationship of another sort into that mix, you know, were there some adjustments early on? Yeah, I think there were. But in so many ways, some of those really important decisions about who plays what role at work and who has what responsibilities were already in place for us. Would you agree?
2: I would agree because I agree with everything that you said. (laughs) Well actually yes I would and I want to mention something else first then I'll go back to it uh, there was something that Danny said at one point you know he said well I'm the CEO so my decision is final and we knew that from the beginning and that's how it works because that's what the role is and then he inferred that well I wouldn't approach my decision making process that way why would I not take Bumi's advice very seriously mm-hmm. and that struck me as important because I serve as the CEO as well and We worked together for two years before we became a couple, but also what changed is Amy's role changed over time. So She became more and more influential in the organization over time as a result of learning more and more about the different functions of the business and developing specific skills based on her strengths, whereas my role is pretty much the same as it was when we started. Would you agree?
3: Yes. Yes. I think that piece that Danny shared about being the CEO, what he's addressing there is, okay, well, what are the titles? What's the role? What's the responsibility? But there's another piece to it, which is there is a partnership, and I'm not just talking about marriage, but business partnership. So regardless of what the roles are, we are still going to each other as sounding boards for those decisions. And sometimes that's more one direction than the other, But still, at the end of the day, as we talk about work things and what each of us have been handling during the day and solving during the day, we are looking to the other person as the partner, the business partner, not just talking to our husband or wife at the end of the day.
2: And not just talking to somebody who holds a specific role in the company. So Amy handles all admissions into the program. She's in charge of that. And so when we're talking about business decisions, I don't only bring decisions that are related to admissions. I'm bringing everything that I'm working on to her to get her opinion because I I want it and I need it. And I don't think I've ever made a decision that Amy didn't support before I made the decision. If there was something that I wanted to do and Amy thought we shouldn't do it, I would be crazy to do it because Amy's opinion is so valuable. I'd have to really work very, very hard to, I just don't think it's, it's just not likely. I I can't imagine that I would ever make a decision that Amy didn't agree with fundamentally. I mean, maybe it's like, well, I I like the website to look a little like this versus this. That's not, I'm not talking about those kind of things. That's not a big deal, but big, important decisions, all of that we make together, regardless of what our roles
3: are. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that as you're making decisions as a couple to look at What do each of you bring that will make it uniquely you and uniquely your company that will by nature be differentiated from other companies who do the same thing is a really valuable way to bring partnership into the roles.
2: Our work is unique in that both Amy and I have business functions that we are responsible for, but we also do a lot of teaching and presenting together. And so If you've ever tried to give a presentation with another person, you'll know it is one of the most challenging things you can do. But Amy and I, because we teach together so much, we really are in sync Mm -hmm. because we've worked on it for so long and really pretty frictionless in the way that we communicate with other people when we're together. And so we rarely have communication issues with the team because we are really pretty in tune with each other and where the other person is going.
3: But you know, there's this piece of identifying what people's strengths are and letting everybody step into the right role. I also think that there's a piece about getting out of their way to let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that Michael is incredibly good at is identifying talent and seeing strengths in our team members or in potential team members and seeing How they could grow and what's possible for them. Michael, you are so good at that. So I'm not going to stick my nose into hiring. (laughs) I'm not going to get in your way or overcomplicate it. I want you to do what you do really well. And if you come to me as a sounding board and want me in on interviews, great. But there are enough responsibilities in a company that certainly each partner has places where they can shine without needing to get into every element of it.
2: Yeah. I was trying to think of where there's been challenges. I go, like, what's been hard? I think that's important. And, you know, every once in a while, I get a little edgy in a conversation. And because Amy's my wife, I'll let myself be edgy in the conversation. Whereas if I was talking to somebody on the team that wasn't my spouse, I would couch that better. And I might be softer. So, you know, sometimes Amy just has to remind me to soften up a little bit. And then I, I do my best because we were working in the business before we became a couple. And because we had different levels of experience in the business, when Amy came in, part of my job was to train and develop her skill set because I knew what her capabilities were. I knew how incredibly intelligent she is, but there are just some skills that she needed to develop because she hadn't been doing them previously and because i see what people are capable of i have a tendency to push people outside of their comfort zones that sometimes was hard for amy i think look you should you should speak for yourself i don't want to speak for you
3: <laughs> what i hear you touching on is that i think in any entrepreneurial venture where You're asking every team member, including yourself, to do things that you haven't done before. There's a balance to be mindful of. We want each of us to be doing the things that we are really comfortable doing and know that we can just knock it out and feel like we're at our best and feel that we are a successful contribution. And then the other side is asking each one of us, ourselves included, to do things we have never done before. And where we'll feel like, I don't even know what questions to ask to move forward on this. And we have learned and are still learning to be mindful of that balance. Because if we're so focused on, okay, Amy, we got to get Amy to develop this set of skills she's never developed. We're going to do that 90% of the time. Well, that's where we bumped up against each other, Michael, is because I was saying, hey, you get to grow and be uncomfortable at your own pace. Mm -hmm. Right now, it feels like I have no control over the pace at which I am being asked to grow or the amount of time that I'm being asked to be uncomfortable. I need some successes. I need some wins. I need some time where I feel like I'm in my sweet spot of what I know how to do. And I need the two of them to be in a slightly different ratio than they are right now. That was the kind of bump up we had in the beginning. I needed a little slower of a trajectory to get into that and feel like I could hold my own next to your magic.
2: If Amy said to me, I want to close the business tomorrow, I never want to do this again, I'd say, okay, that's fine. I really do feel that that is the kind of relationship we have. I'm not exaggerating the dynamic. Because, of course, any decision each one of us makes, we have the other one in mind. And so if if that was really important to Amy, then I know that she's got me in mind when she's making that decision. And obviously I would want to understand it. And I ask a lot of questions, but yeah, I really would do anything she asked me to do.
3: Our rhythms are slightly different that way. I think that is absolutely true. That if I say, I really think it's important we do X, you say, okay. And then you want to know about it. When you say to me, I think we should do X or we should not do Y I say, well, wait, here's why I disagree on that. (laughs) And then we have the conversation and then I go, oh, I get it. I just needed a moment to soften to that idea because I thought I knew what track we were on. We both get to that place of, absolutely, if this is what you see, this is what you want, let's do it. And uh, we just move into that in a slightly different way. We have so much fun with each other. We just have so much fun. But actually, so Amy mentioned, yeah, I've got a little bit of charisma on stage.
2: But when I'm teaching, I often see the audience watching Amy watch me. That's how <laughs> that's how compelling she is on stage. It's really quite remarkable. And look, even when we teach, we know what our roles are. I am more of the MC. I tend to drive the dynamic. I can see where the room needs to go before the room is there, and I tend to bring a lot of the big broad humor. And often it gives Amy this opportunity to come in dropping really insightful bombs in between because she's not as responsible for managing the whole group. And that dynamic works very well for us because if I'm on stage, it's hard for me not to manage the whole group. It's just natural for me. So if both Amy and I had the same natural way of being and the same needs, Emotionally or or psychologically, when we were working, it might not work as well because we'd be competing or fighting with each other for that opportunity or that experience. But Amy and I don't have the same needs when we're working with each other on a regular basis. So it makes it a really nice dynamic. But if both people want the same kind of attention, if they want to have the same kind of influence, then they start competing with each other for that. That can be problematic. That may not be an issue in their marriage, it might cause a little conflict from time to time, but it's not a systemic issue or a catastrophic issue. But in the business, that could become problematic because you may start trying to be the more influential one for the employees. And so when your spouse puts something out there, even if you agree with it, you might want them to think it's your idea, You know those kinds of
3: things. You know what I think is really funny about this podcast is that we were like, Oh, he had her do an assessment. They looked at what the strengths are and looked at how cool they each were. And I feel like for a fair amount of this, we've been saying, here's what works really well in the back-end work of our partnership, and on the onstage part, and at the at-home part. It feels in some ways like an opportunity to just kind of celebrate why it works so well. But we do just have a ridiculous amount of fun together.
2: We really do. When we became a couple, many people were like, oh, finally. (laughs) Like, you know, just people that had been around us were kind of like, yeah, you guys are kind of meant to be together. So this makes sense to us.
3: I suppose that means we're wrapped. Guess so. On to the credits? Yep. Thank you so much for listening to For Better or For Work. I'm Amy Port.
2: And I'm Michael Port. You can find out more about us at HeroicPublicSpeaking.com. That's heroic public
3: for better or for work is part of the Miracy FM podcast network this episode was produced by cynthia lamb jeff governson and nishi lance put it together danny Eney is the executive producer post production by post office sound if you liked the show please follow it and leave a starred review
2: thank you and we'll see you next time